error. Love that boy. Yep, boy. Error. Error, my lord. De Niro. It's an error of judgment to invade France, my lord. <laughs> but I want the land, and it shall be mine. <laughs> I would love to write a musical. About what? About, um, I think, like, ecclesiastical politics in the mm. 15th century. And that could be sure. the opening. You're like the, you're the humble advisor the mighty, to the crown. But sad. But you're cunning and conniving. But sad. It's an error of judgment to invade France. It's an error of judgment. But I need the power. What he doesn't know is I'm planning his demise the for me to be king. I shall be king forever. He shan't be king. <laughs> You'll be king for never. <laughs> what was that you said? I said, you're the bestest king in the land. <laughs> you understand we're standing in the same room and singing yes, on opposite sides of the stages. And I, I, I rub my hands like this constantly. Because that's a good thing to do with a comedy musical like the South Park guys. Because a lot of musical scenes happen when two people are singing separate songs that they don't know. Yes. Yes. There's, there's a difference between the two people. They can't hear each other. But yeah. if the spotlights just went, the lights came up and went, what did you say? You haven't seen enough musicals. Yeah, no, I get that. No, I got that. I was just trying to process it. My yeah. brain's a bit slow. Uh, hello, welcome to um, the Chilled Out special, uh, the Tracky special. Uh, we name what you want. The 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 bit, the two beers, the two Broski special. Um, uh, lockdown has got to us. We've been we're defeated. Um, lockdown one. Uh, when we started this episode on our third proper lockdown, maybe fourth proper third. lockdown, third lockdown. We uh, did quite a rallying cry of positivity yeah. uh, out to all uh, the struggling mental health. You know, uh, be strong, be confident. Be strong, be confident. But it's taken us, is it three, we three weeks in? We're three weeks in. Three weeks and we've lost. We've lost it. But we, it's, we've lost it, but I think we've lost the fight against lockdown. Yeah. Which is quite nice because we've accepted defeat. Yeah, we're down on the ground. We're down on the on, in the Pentagon. But the game's the over. Octagon. The game's over. That's the game's why over. we're celebrating. So like, yeah. ah. It was a good. It was like it was you know, like a, you know it was like when, a big match. Yeah, we you know when boxes and we go for a drink after. You know when boxes when after the heavy fight and one yeah. of them is being knocked out, they had that really like wholesome discussion where they're both like really into each other and kind of you know there was yes, a lot yes, of respect yes, yes. flowing around. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they've one of them is accepting defeat, and you know that you can now move on from the fight. Yes, uh, that's what we're doing with lockdown. Um, I'm wearing trackies. I'm not putting trousers on because I just don't care anymore. I couldn't wear trackies because mine have alcohol stains on them. So he looks more organised, but he's actually less organised. This isn't um, a choice. Yeah. I, I, there was a realisation. We, we were watching the inauguration just now, and um, there was a realisation that it was it's not even February yet. And lockdown is going to go on till mid-March, probably. At least, maybe end of March. Which, you know... At the best, for, I think. I, for, in my head, I felt like we'd basically, we're basically about done with lockdown. It was like, yeah. we're in the last couple... Like, the last week and yeah. a half, and then we start opening up again. We were dodging some punches. We're, we're, <laughs> we're ready, the, ready to kind of finish so up our big finish. There's so much time left. Again, if there's we do, to so use, much time to use a boxing analogy again, it's like we've kind of kind of led our hands ready for the big finisher but then we've missed the face and then we've got a large man coming towards us with the rest of the fight yes exactly we've put all of our weight and also we've, we've boxed with anger which is one thing I'm not a huge boxing fan uh, though I haven't been getting either. more into it uh, 
but the one thing they always say is you got to you can't box with anger. Yeah, because it makes is that, you more is that what they actually say? Yeah, because it makes you more emotional. So okay, when you're jabbing, yeah. that's why like top. Like if you look at Floyd Mayweather, he's fucking cool yeah. as shit. Because you, I'd you'd assume, otherwise you'd flame You'd assume arms. if yeah. it's like a fight, yeah. you just want to go and like, right, fucking come here, little yeah, you know, bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, in but reality, the, the it's like ones, a flailing of it's fists. It's like the opposite of hate. They're, yeah. they're, they're so, the, the best fighters in the world. I, I I know that men get very angry when people who know nothing about fighting talk about fighting. Um, I'm not apologising. We're not men of the octagon. Out. Yeah, we're really not. Uh, that's a new type of man, though, the fighting man. Well, why does become big? Have you I noticed so many comedians, particularly US comedians, yeah, yeah, have yeah, jumped yeah. on like Octagon mm-hmm. and UFC. UK, UK ones, slightly. Theo Von said happy birthday to a fighter I wasn't even aware existed. It's a big thing that's. Um, mm. It's like manliness is allowed to be, be become back in society. No, no, no. We Us cucks, we won the argument. <laughs> I thought we settled this. I thought we settled this. <laughs> us, us little metropolitan. I thought books won again. Us met- I thought the metrosexuals won. <laughs> I've been out here wearing Crocs and pumps. We're Renaissance men. Does that mean nothing? <laughs> nothing. Um, uh, but yeah. We, um, I think is... I might want to get into fighting. What do you mean actual? No, 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 no. Do you mean getting into the sport of it? I don't know. Well, it, it seems, seems to like be something I... that's come to the territory of com- it uh, does, comedy. It no, does. In UK comedy comedians as well, we're talking about fighting. I just like, there's something uh, I really warms my heart when you see a funny comedian either on a podcast or speaking to them in real life. And they're, they're all jokes, and then they just so sincerely, so sincerely will talk about the MMA. Oh, did you catch the octagon last Yeah, though, and it's just like, yeah, but he's, this is the problem is when, when Cowboy goes for grapples like that, he's always going to get um, blindsided, always. Yeah, the thing is when the muscle I ran out of comes, all jargon. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to jump in and try and help. Him. Grapple, mu- blindside. My, my best, my best response was the muscle man. <laughs> When the muscle man goes in for the headlock, then, yeah. you know, that's... But that's I, I am into boxing for this, because there's three... I, I'm, I've never really been into fighting, but I've watched... I, I'm now like Mayweather. Uh, yeah, just why? Because, just because of his... Def- I like Look defensive. at his Instagram. No, 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 not as a person. Have you seen his he's, Instagram? He's a, he's a model for Boohoo Man. No, 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 no. Have you seen his Instagram? No, I haven't. Go and look at Floyd Mayweather's Instagram right now. Um, he runs a strip club in Las Vegas, and it's called The Girls Collective. Sure. So... I think about 90% of his Instagram content is pictures of scantily clad women in compromising positions. And that is from his club in Las Vegas. Yeah. So you think Floyd Mayweather, the best, maybe the best boxer that's ever lived on the planet. Yeah. 90% of Instagram content is girls in some pants. Yeah, but he's also Floyd the money... Floyd the money. He Mayweather. is Floyd though, because he's yeah. a brand above all else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but exactly. it's just interesting. Huh? Yeah, but it's also... He's like... It's interesting with someone like... He's clearly an idiot. Like here, listening to him speak or the the decisions he makes and like what he thinks are cool is so lame. Like he models for Boohoo Man, which might be the lamest company to model for I can think of. Yeah. Um, and when you've got that much Peter money, Peter Storm. No, if if Mayweather model for Peter Storm, it'd be pretty cool. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It would actually genuinely. Well, well Peter Storm's kind of coming back in as well. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. been kind of repurposed. Um, but Clark shoes. What is? Yeah, that would that might be lamer. Yeah. <laughs> Floyd Mayweather. (laughs) (laughs) The back to school collection. (laughs) Out of the ring, back in the frying pan. No, it doesn't work. You see, we've lost our minds. (laughs) Not a good... Can I, because I uh, question on that, we can get back to the fighting quickly, but just one for the viewers and everywhere. I think it's it's something the viewers don't even need to get involved with because I think this question has already been answered for me. But the common phrase or colloquialism of out of the frying pan, finish it. Into the... Out the frying pan into the so, so, into, into the, the flames. 
<laughs> out the frying pan into the sauce. Where are you uh, cooking your sauce? It, it, out the frying pan into the flame. Yeah, that's into what the I fire. Into the fire. Yeah. Yes. Because I've heard it's a couple of people the say out of the. F- is it? Yeah, that's where I think it comes from. Oh, is it? no, it doesn't. It doesn't come from. No, that. it's a saying, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 So wait, it's um. So you say into the flame, fire. Yeah. Okay. Just because I've heard a couple of a couple of people say out of the frying pan into the oven. That doesn't work. Which doesn't work. But then I'm pretty sure someone corrected me on it. Well, I guess it's the same thing, isn't it? Because back then they didn't have ovens when it came Yeah, up. but it, it, it implies that everything you're frying you put into the oven, which we all of us Wait, what's the saying mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? searing chicken and then you what does it mean? put it what in does the it oven mean? for a little bit. <laughs> you know, to really get those juices What does it out. mean? Um, it means you've come out of a difficult situation, but you're going to go into a more difficult Well, one. that makes... Yeah, because in The Hobbit... Uh, I, I'm glad you cleared this up. Basically, yeah. the chapter out the into the, out the frying pan into the and I presume fire. he's in a sticky situation. He gets into a stickier. One. He he's in the mind being attacked by like a horde he's of in goblins. In a mind, in a mind, okay. in mind, and he's okay. getting attacked by goblins. Yeah, loads of goblins, loads of goblins, yeah. crazy amounts of goblins. They finally break out the mind, and then there's like trolls or some shit, or yeah. like another creature out. So the the frying pan was the goblins. Yeah, um, in a world the fire we was were, the trolls. If, if we were living in a Hobbit world where frying pans didn't exist, okay? Maybe they don't. Yeah. Then the colloquialism would be away from the goblins into the, what was the other one? Um, uh, trolls. Uh, out, uh, away from the goblins towards the trolls Yeah. Uh, would be referring to if you were in a frying pan and you were put into the fire in an alternate reality. Yeah. It's just something to think about. It is something to think about. <laughs> that I remember clearly in The Hobbit, and this was like quite a profound moment for me that really stuck with me for ages, which was like, you know, what, you have these moments when you're between the age of like eight and 14, where it's like, you feel like you're working stuff out on your own and it's like where your brain develops. I remember- Fuck you, mum. Yeah, it's like when I found out, uh, when I thought God doesn't exist to when I found out Tanta doesn't exist. And then yeah. this, um, there's a moment where- Between eight and 14. Between eight and 14. It happened on the same day, but I'll get back to that. No shit. Uh, yeah, I'll get back to that. Um, but there was a moment in The Hobbit where um, a troll kicks a rock and it's described as kicking it up in the air like a football. And immediately <laughs> I was like using... Yeah. That completely fucked me up. Yeah. So what, I was like, what, using, what the use of that language yeah, in The Hobbit? Yeah, because I was like, so we, we got football now. Yeah, so football exists. Football exists. So how are Arsenal doing? <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. I just, it just felt like... It felt like a bit he'd uh, elapsed. Obviously, had a lot to do. J.R. Tolkien, he's building yeah. an entire world. But it give felt him, like give him one line. It feels like if you're using similes where you're doing things. If the, if you showed like Hobbit football and stuff, and yeah, you sure. brought that stuff yeah, in, yeah. I'm on board. But it would be but a variant. On it football. just seemed weird that he was using the. You don't the, have any fantasy stories that have like the game, like the game of football or any other sport, exactly to the letter of the law of that sport. Exactly, it would be football like, but they had they have to use, they all stand on their hands. Yeah, exactly. Something 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 one of those fantasy writers it feels it. like he dropped the ball on that line yeah but and the football and, but that that line he dropped the football yeah on that i get line. it but that line um yeah but maybe some of the others don't get it they're a bit it, slower no but they, it reframes the entire series okay so i've actually read all the lord of the rings books and the hobbit and now knowing that football exists but that one line and that's the only one i can pick up yeah is that's the one thing that Refr- uh, it, when you're analyzing them as a series yeah it reframes the entire because you can either read the hobbit and the lord of the rings as if you're part of the world. Yeah. Or yeah. the allusion to football means that it's like speaking to this world and viewing it from this world through that world. So yeah. it completely changes the entire um, series I've always known I've been, the football. I've always known I've been best friends with a loser. <laughs> yes. Let's yeah. talk about the fact let's talk about the day that you realised both uh, God and Santa oh. didn't exist. Oh. So the day that Horatio lost his idea of majesty and magic. 
this was actually um, this is actually quite a big day um, because it, it was two days ago. <laughs> when I was nine years old, um, I, it was actually yeah, it's probably one of the actually uh, philosophically, it's probably one of the, the biggest days of my life. When I was nine years old, I remember it was, it was in the run up to Christmas, and I thought to myself. Hang on a minute. I was just I was going through my brain. And I was what, like, what were you doing at the time when you said, "Hang on a minute"? Uh, I can't fully remember. I think I was. I think I was lying in bed, mowing the lawn. I was lying in bed, um, and there was no, no. I was lying in bed and I was considering Santa, and I was like, "Why the fuck does um, do poorer kids get worse presents than rich kids from yeah. Santa?" Yeah, he's like a, true, he's a he's a, a true ben- honest Marxist. He's a, no, but he's like a bene- benevolent old guy who everyone's like, this is a guy who gives out gifts. If it's not the parents, but one kid gets a pool table and the other <laughs> kid gets a turnip. Why? The, I remember just thinking, why the fuck do poor kids to add onto yeah. their already tough lives? Yeah, they also get Santa being like, oh no, you don't deserve. Oh no, you don't deserve it. <laughs> you you've been good. But in the grand scheme yeah, of things, you haven't added so, to our economic seems, value. It just so. seems so weird that Santa would reward kids who yeah. already have so much with yeah. better gifts than uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a tough one for like poor, like, poor parents. families might though. not do stockings. And it's like, yeah. so is Santa being like, well, you've got no cash. Yeah, so, well, I had the same thing in my family because like, my parents preferred my sister. So like she they, she would get incredible presents. She'd get anything that she yeah. ever wanted. And I'd always get... And then she could, they could just off, outsource and that um, outsource, trauma to Santa. Exactly. They say it's Santa. And so that's what I r- realized as well. Because so it was that realization. It was also the realization is it's like, so, the, this one's quite a basic one, but it's like... The, so many presents how's he fit in that in his sleigh like there's just too many presents for yeah. him to do so you're not I didn't question the flying I didn't question the, I didn't question the flying for one second and you didn't question the quantity of households per minute no I didn't That, that but the main thing was I was like what, the, whenever you see the depiction of Santa it's always yeah. him um, with the reindeer and the, the thing on the back but yeah. I'm like it'd have to be fucking huge yeah you're not wrong yeah so I was just going through that and then I after I was like, okay, Santa definitely can't exist. And I then- guess because the thing that they've done with their depictions of Santa is by showing the sleigh. Yeah. Because we can, we in our kid, in our childlike imagination, we could imagine this mythical being going between the houses really sure. quickly because yeah. you know super speed or whatever. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as soon as you show the sleigh, you've shown your cards. Exactly. Exactly. But sorry, yeah. Um, but then I just applied the same logic to God, and then I, that was literally in the same the same night. So if you're listening, kids, um, God, God is dead. God we is have dead. Killed him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had. I think I. My. I had um, the realization that Santa didn't exist when I was sitting in an IT lesson sure. in Britain um, in about year four. Five. Okay. That's, oh wow. No, that's way too. It doesn't matter. I don't trust your time knows? anyway. You're I, young. It could be. It could be any you age between. I was young, um, and I remember sitting in IT and just thinking about it. It was. I was doing Type Quick, um, which is a program where you are a co koala koala going through a uh, an adventure and in order to the what the what generates the amount of speed you have through this adventure is the speed of which you type um and at that point i decided it was a good time to think about the existence of uh, santa and then i because i was in it i looked it up online saying does santa not exist oh my god you looked it up online i looked it up online that's brutal it's a real why like, more people do that it's a real well that yeah seems, maybe not that yeah seems it like makes the sense. way the, the most logical people should... actually i'm gonna have a look at this <laughs> But then what you, because I want some cold, hard Google facts about it. And then what you find is some pretty dark forums. Uh, But you also find that there is. There's much of a debate. But I, no, but the thing, yeah, exactly. Because, but then the only person that would type in that 
does Santa exist on the internet is a child who's losing their faith in them. Yeah. Therefore, you do get a couple of pages who I think are essentially dedicated to putting those kids on yeah. the right Santa track. Yeah. So I got, on, got onto some forums, but saw right past these mums who were trying to, you know, yeah. keep me on track. And then got into the car. First thing, I, I got into the car when mum picked me up and said, Santa doesn't exist, does he? And, and what she said? She, she said, she said, no. <gasps> that's good. That's the way to do she it, said though. no. That's the way to do it. Yeah, Because you, you those... put her on the spot. Yeah. But I'd never forgiven her for it. But that, that's interesting because it's about how old you are. How old you are is important because I, I, do you feel comfortable talking about your Yes, your I do. Yeah. So. Because it's an interesting dilemma. It is an interesting dilemma. Now, I've, I think, I maybe, I don't think I did this story on the, on this podcast, it might have been on the radio show, but um, it's, it's too long to go into. Of the, um, it revolves around me um, on the eve on on Easter morning, yeah, or Easter Sunday it's morning, the radio show, yeah. whatever. And so, um, my stepmother now, um, her step, my step sisters, um, they start. still, and that's another difficult thing about having divorced parents who then go go on to have different relationships or whatever. I've had to, after having that cutting realization that um, Santa doesn't exist and there's no love in the universe, that you then have to then continue this life for, for smaller children that are coming into your household. Yes. So I've nearly let it slip a couple of times. But the main thing about my stepsisters is that they still believe in the Easter bunny. Okay. Now, when I say the word still, yep. I never believed in the Easter Bunny. I didn't know that was a thing. Now, the joy... Even as a three-year-old, I understood the symbolic pagan tradition that yeah. it was calling upon. And it was more But that's because of, of your strict <laughs> pagan upbringing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. But it's... Now, I admire the upbringing to be to be kind of brought up in such a uh, an upbringing of joy and innocence innocence yeah and i think because she's basically Oddly, we haven't had enough is too good a mother yeah of she, of like creating this amazing mm. trance like state of childhood yeah that the easter bunny could be believed in yeah and so i think one of them still believes in san i don't think she would anymore yeah. but like so she but last year when i was there for christmas Still believes in Santa. She's going into secondary school. So how old would she be? I think that means she's 12. 12 is too old. So what, what's interesting is that Andrew's got like a bit of a dilemma. It's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a Sophie's Choice you're at at the moment. It's a big, big I decision. think Sophie's Choice is the only comparable situation <laughs> it could be. Because you've got stepsisters who you don't know too well. You haven't spent that much time with them. Um, you're you're a bit of the. I'm the weird geek. You're the brother. you're the weird like black swan in the family. Yeah, I think they they're do. all ha playing happy families. You're getting yeah. drunk. Yeah, I'm the one getting... who's. I'm yeah, I'm the one who's getting drunk by myself yeah. in the study because I've been kicked out. Of the exactly. Living. So you you represent that role. Yeah, and it's fair enough. You've been a bit ostracised. It's fair enough for you to go bun my family and bun them off. I'm not bunning them off though. If anyone's listening. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. No, but I mean, like, it's fair enough for you to say, like, they've got their problems. They can sort it out. You oh know yeah. What I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah, yeah. your step your stepsister are reaching an age where they're probably going to go to secondary school and it's going to come up that they believe in Santa stuff. And therefore, is it not the role of the slightly estranged stepbrother that's, yeah. to say, 
Santa doesn't exist. Because I think, yeah. I think when, because I wasn't here for Christmas, obviously, uh, this year. So my idea was maybe for, I could, I, I didn't send any presents home because who's got time for that or the money for that. So I thought the only present nice. I could send home was a letter addressed to the two girls just to say, <laughs> dear two girls. I don't know which one's which. Um, and they just say, Santa doesn't exist. But it'd be a truly great act to do because you'd be, play the villain. You could be told off, but you'd yeah. know in your heart of hearts that you'd it was say the right that. thing. And also those girls, when they grow up, they'll be going, you know what, Andrew? You know what? You, you were know, bad. Bang on. You were bang I hated on you. Yeah. I hated you for years. <laughs> I thought you were disgusting. <laughs> I thought you were rude. But, but now I'm glad you said that. In Christmas of 2020, <laughs> yeah. when you sent me that letter and you told me Santa doesn't exist. Yeah, you said you it. Yeah. Imagine going that, into secondary school. fucking secondary school and, you, and people were like talking about <laughs> whatever comes <laughs> up. So what do you think you're going to get from Santa this year? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? No, I yeah, know. But when like, so what, what if you asked for Santa? Have you sent the letters yet? What did you think Santa is this? Yeah, no. Imagine finding out that way of having to pretend that you never thought he existed rather than getting a letter from a stepbrother who you've probably spoken to about 20 times. Mm -mm. What you do, yeah. not the letter I understand, but I say you, you do on Christmas Eve, you dress Eve. up as Santa. You dress up as Santa. <laughs> you go into the room. <laughs> And you you fiddle around with the stockings. You do it, you do it really loudly. You keep yeah. bashing around until one of them wakes up, so that they can see at the end of their bed yeah. that Santa is there. Is here? Yeah. And then because they wake up at like four a.m. <laughs> by the way, every Christmas. Yeah. So then they'll be so excited because they they finally met Santa. And then you turn around and go, "Listen, kids, <laughs> Santa doesn't exist." Girls, and this sit is up, <laughs> sit up, turn the light on, turn the light on. Everything you've seen in the past is a lie. <laughs> These presents, although they're real, they're not from yeah. Santa. And Catherine's religious as well. I mean, yes. I won't say that. I'll edit that out. Maybe. Um, <laughs> she's, but they're religious as well. So yes. during that thing, also crush their belief in God as well. Yeah. You, you might as well while you're there. Well, it would be good to say, so now we've done the whole Santa <laughs> thing. God. Let's talk about God. Completely made up. Completely made up. <laughs> I mean, that is, I think one of the best things you can do as a stepbrother is impose your very specific beliefs on someone, on two young girls that aren't your child or have actually any blood relation to it's you. true. Um, because that's the awkward thing about the stepdad, which is a nice thing to see um, step parents going to of young, of young kids, is they don't, you never want to overstep the mark because obviously it's the woman you love etc etc that you're you need to you, it's an awkward line to do between raising them as your own and showing them the love as a father but not really overstepping the mark and yeah. i think that's where the stepbrother comes in yeah to so just you can aggressively, aggressively overstep the mark it's more well, the, you're the pantomime you're the pantomime villain exactly you can you can show the uncomfortable truth exactly the rest of he's behind you yeah. i'm always behind yeah, you exactly it's like this podcast we're sort of the stepbrother of society oh god like yeah we 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 yeah. ready to get scapegoated mm. for our you know viciously violent beliefs but talk to us in 10 years but, and then we'll be like we we said some uncomfortable truths we're martyrs for the cause we're out here and you're all but my, my sister which is thanks fair my sister who you know was a neurotic child for sure um she which it, to be fair is very understandable um she um had to leave her stocking downstairs because the idea of Santa coming to her room terrified. Get her, that, which is completely understood. Fair. We were never a family that had stockings by the beds. We we you know what we still do. 
Do you? It's a, like a nice thing that we do, and I, it's amazing. I don't know when it's going to stop. But, but now, instead of it, instead of it being like you wake up with presents in your yeah. stocking, your mum, you wake up, your mum wakes you up when you're having a wank in the middle of the night. No, 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 no. no. My mum, it's because we get up so late, she'll just do it when she wakes up slightly earlier than us, okay, and yeah. she'll just do it then. But it is, it, it, there's something, there's <laughs> That's something. The, old energy. The, the problem, the problem is, it's like you should stop doing the stockings <laughs> when it's like you're stopping a teenager, yeah. and then it's a clear, fair cutoff point. But yeah. The fact that we've carried it on into our mid twenties is like mm. a clear thing. Yeah. The moment she stops now, it's going to always be a personal attack. Yeah. Like well, if she, when we when uh, my sister's like twenty six, going on twenty seven, I'm nearly twenty four. Um, she still does stockings and it's like a yeah. very sweet thing but yeah. when she rips that away that's going to be so traumatising exactly. for both of us exactly if you exactly. rip it away at the 21st or 18th birthday it's, it's like there's enough changes happening it's but when we're going through our 20s which is one of the most anxiety inducing ages yeah, yeah. you can be for yeah. when <coughs> Innocence is being lost everywhere. All of our dreams are falling around us. If my mum then, yeah. like, one Christmas she just says we're not doing stockings this yeah. year, that's going to hit, like, a that's ton gonna, of it's bricks. It's going to be a breakdown. It's going to be much harder. Yeah, it's, it's very fun seeing parents um, try and maintain these traditions that they've uh, they've created for, like, four-year-olds Yeah. that they're now doing for 24-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Because my one was dad always stands at the top of the stairs <laughs> and me and Melissa stand there and we're giggy, giggy, giddy with excitement. And sure. he has to go downstairs to check if Santa's been. Oh, that's nice. And then he comes up and inform <laughs> us that he has been. Yeah. So then we, so although it works now because we've got younger stepsisters in the house. Although the sad thing about it is actually I'm not woken up for that anymore. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, it's like all these all these traditions happen, um, and there is the implication that well, we don't want to wake Andrew up because he's got no spirit. <laughs> and I omitted the word Christmas there because I think it's spirit in general. Yeah, I'd say so. But, I'd say that's fair. Um, but no, it's funny because like when it got to us, when there was a shared understanding that none of us believe in Santa anymore, and then seeing Dad having to go through the motions. But it is, it's because it becomes a tradition, and it's a nice part of that tradition. It's a nice part of family. It is. It is true. But, but then, with divorced parents as well, you've got different fucking traditions because yeah. I do Christmas either or either or. So then as you slowly go between the two houses, traditions begin to erode and then you're eventually left with nothing. Anyway, subscribe and to yeah, the Patreon. Yeah, for exactly. More. Oh yeah, do subscribe to the Patreon. Oh, fuck, um, we didn't do it again. Uh, subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, uh, one thing that uh, patrons should be using as well is that they have uh, questions rights. They're allowed to ask questions. Um and we have to answer them, which is the problem. Uh, yeah, what well, we got? Who's, who's messaging well, on the it's, page? It's our, big, it's our big donor who we really can't turn down, no matter Simon. what the quality of the questions, we can't turn well, them down. Well, Simon's the, the super fan. Simon, Simon's the super fan. He's, doing the, he's on the £25 a month. Which yeah, I'm he's our favourite. True, but we uh, owe him everything. Absolutely. Uh, but his... Uh, do you want to do like a Top Gear leaderboard where we have different? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Actually, different people. I've always thought this program needs to be more Top Gear. Yeah. Um, if you were, if you, if we were a Top Gear presenters, who would you be? Uh, well, if both of us. Yeah. Well, I would be a hybrid. I I would be because I'm. I've got more. I've got some James May in me. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say you're a lot of James. I've May. got some James May in me, but then I've also got the kind of a lot of Jeremy. like the the cynical aggression, which is Jeremy. I'm like Whereas a, I'm, I'm Richard Hammond. You're Richard. No, but you're Richard Hammond and Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah, I'm James May and, and Jeremy, Jeremy Clarkson. Clarkson. Yeah, so, I don't know how that dynamic would work. It wouldn't. 
It'd be, we'd be both be yeah. half Jeremy, half, half yeah. <laughs> struggling for power. <laughs> yeah. Whilst also trying to be, you've got some, trying to be funny. You got some Richard the Hamster Hammond in. Yeah, you? I've definitely got some Hamster the Hamster Hammond in me. Um, <laughs> but Simon KG, super fan, big shout out, uh, Stid. I'll go with two questions to start: one serious and one light. Okay, so really strapping. Yeah, you can guess which one. Um, how do Zoomers like yourselves view your future prospects? Do you want to answer that first and then move on to the next one or hear them both? Let's hear them both. Um, one second, serious and one what? One jokey. One light. Oh, light. Second oh, question, serious. what is your favourite whiskey? Okay. Do I want to do the joke where the whiskey one's a serious one? No. No, yeah, let's no. not even bother with that. Uh, let's start with Let's start with the, what was the first one? Where, how do how, Zoomers see our prospects? Yeah, yeah, the problem with some of the questions we're getting is it's like stuff that we've sort of already gone over. Yeah. Um... So I'll, I'll I'll aim this one for you. Actually, I'll take okay. the second one. You take this one. I'll take the prospects. <laughs> you take the whiskey. Sure. Um. So the thing is, when how do you how do you genuinely? So I think it's as a zoomer. You're a zoomer. I think it's an interesting question. Uh, thank you, Simon, for your patronage. Yeah. Oh, that's where it comes from. Yeah. Patronage. How do you not know that? Fuck me, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, you said it was something to do with like 15th century. Well, that is what patronage is. Yeah, okay. So, like, when you, you go say, around, you didn't when, say that. What's interesting about patronage is it's like when you go around art galleries of like 15th century art or anything like that. The you look at the little um, thing that explains the history, and all of the all of these artists can only survive because some people in the aristocracy of any country they're working in have patronized them. That's why most uh, medieval art, Renaissance art, is portraits and paintings of either God or the Duke who patronized them. Because that's yeah, the only yeah. way that the economy worked for artists. Yeah, which we did. Yeah, yeah. we had this whole discussion. And, and now, think, will they look back on I this in an art gallery? Shot. Well, do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's gone to it's gone it's to gone shit. to it's gone to Kablooz. Um, Kablooz do you think they'll look back at this in an art gallery in like fifty years and they'll look at Simon well, KG twenty five pound a month yeah. patronage? Well, that- it will be it will be us <laughs> in the in the in the Tate Modern. <laughs> yeah. It will just be a contis- You know, one of those when you go into a, an art gallery and you yeah. see the TV screens and yeah, it's yeah. just a rolling image, like a rolling uh, yeah. video of repeat, and it was so funded by Simon KG. Yes, yes, yes initially yes. because you will be our uh, our patron, our main, our main patron, our ma- our, our patriarch. No. Our, pa- uh, no. our Matreon. It's Patreon. Our Matreon. Our Patreon. No. no. Our Patreon. Wa- Patreon. <coughs> so answer the question. I think that these questions, I always find it hard to answer when you're saying, because the implication of the question is, how do you, you Zoomers think, you know, so your generation prospects? And it's an impossible so for me I can talk about my individual prospects about the future because it's a very individual thing everyone is an individual no, on the can, planet you can take a s- no I know you can no but I think there's something yeah. that I can struggle with because you like to I make grandiose you do, no but you like doing grandiose I love, opinions I, I love making opinions for other people whereas I don't <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm too worried about other people's different opinions yeah, on yeah. things yeah. and so for me I could answer about this is where what my future prospects feel like sure. which I think would be a valid answer because that in itself speaks to a truth of a zoomer generation on, from an ind- No because I'm answering it you're answering in a like more, a fucking politician I'm answer- answer the no, fucking I'm question. answering it in a this more profound way than your mind can ever understand So for me well zoomer's prospects yeah 
Well, what do you want me to say? It could be fucking. Don't do this fucking. Yeah, well, I'm pissed off. Now. Shit. I'm pissed off. Every single time we've we've had any questions from any of the listeners, you've always managed to do this kind no, of. No, because well, I feel like um, I'm answering well, the question um, in a more profound way. No, you're not answering in a more profound way. What you should be is like you deal with it. You've got someone who's basically paid to ask the question. And I you and all I can surface. do, the only thing I could do, you're making to be feel true, like shit. The only thing I could do to be true to Simon, who I love to the deeper annals, deepest annals of my soul. Me too. Uh, <laughs> is answer in my truth, okay? I'm just trying to speak my truth out. Speak your fucking show. truth. And my speak truth it is, a little bit no, quicker. No, exactly. But I think it's a, no, because I almost want to, I know it sounds like a politician's answer, but I almost want to discuss the question rather than answer it. That's a fucking horrendous thing to say. That's not, no, we were trying to encourage people to go become patrons, ask questions, and we discuss on the show. Not, we're not going to pick apart the question itself. Just but when you become, question. when you come, when you come across a, uh, a question that is more profound and interesting than that, okay. it would be a disservice to it to answer with a yes or no answer. All right, all right, okay. So, I think, no, it's a general point of that. I think it's a really hard thing. Yeah. As in, I think people do it too often that, it's like you can we can talk about the entire swathes as a generation and say this is the way that i think our future is looking this mm -hmm. is the way i feel about my future when everything is an incredibly individual specific answer to that so i would happily talk about what i think my prospects are with it yeah. and i could generalize that to a broader cultural socioeconomic mm -hmm. like world that we're living in but that doesn't mean that i think that would kind of like sum up the kind of zoomer thing but still i do think simon was asking us specifically as well I think my prospects are, you know what? I'm in a stage of not knowing at all mm -hmm. because I was, so I have been, I've been working and this is most of the Patreon campaign is to stop me working at my job. Yeah. I love to quit it. So I'm doing that in order for me to be able to live in London so we can do this, et cetera, et cetera, um, which is fine, but it really feels like it's a pay in the bills kind of thing. And so I caught in a few ways of, because it's like, so I, I may be doing a PhD, but I'm definitely not going to do that next year. I'm delaying that for the whole, for, for a long time because it's not something I'm definitive at. Sure. I feel like I'm bad at making decisions sometimes. Okay. All of it. I did a personality test, actually. Let's do this. I did a personality test with one of my friends that came over. Autism. Autism. It said I'm autistic. Um, <laughs> was it one it, of those ones? No, okay. it wasn't. You're, you're kind of grouped into several different personalities. Okay. Um, Spacko, autistic. Spacko, douchebag, <laughs> retard boy, and sorry, um, no, anally sorry. obsessed. I'm actually very interested. No. And in that, so obviously, so within that, there were certain strengths and uh, strengths and weaknesses within that. Yes. And take everything with a pinch of salt, of course. But sometimes, and the, and the points of, but it was a scientific test. It wasn't like an astrology thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been confirmed by lots of stuff. I love to tell you the name of it, but I, uh, we, I don't we, have We've lost faith in you many episodes ago to yeah, remember yeah, yeah. what the I name can't, is. if you're coming to me we'll accept facts, you, what you yeah. as you are. I, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so within that, it was, yeah. um, part of it is, I was the protagonist. Is a, is what it was called. Okay. This kind of personality trait. Narcissism disorder gone. Yeah, it's like the guy's obsessive <laughs> himself, can't see anyone else's opinion, go, 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 go uh, thinks he's the shit. Um, no, no. So within that, it was like, um, forget all the other stuff. But part of it was like a, uh, an inability to make serious decisions. Oh, that's interesting. And I was like, yeah, no, that's absolutely me. I'm terrible at making important decisions. That's really interesting. That's me. But how does that link to the protagonist thing? Because I'd say it's so. The protagonist is someone. So a lot of so if you went more. You're like into a protagonist it. in sort of like a Will Ferrell comedy film. Because I feel like protagonists in most films. I'm the dunce. The, the idea of a protagonist to me when I'm hearing I haven't done the test and I'm not 
um, an expert in any of these things. But to me, when I hear someone's yeah. got a protagonist issue, it means most protagonists of any story, a, a huge part of narrative oh, is, the making main driver big, the narrative. is making big decisions. I think they That's like take, the basis of all stories. I think they were taking the piss out of me. <laughs> yeah, because if you're a protagonist, but don't make, it means that you're so protagonist what is, so in a I think what they're doing is like a protagonist in a social situation. It's about like my relationship to others is often okay. a protagonist. So some of it is... Is it not linked to the decision-making? Is that a separate aspect? That was a se that was one of my weaknesses within that. As in, like, I was uh, bringing that up in answers to the question yeah, yeah, yeah. because it rung true. Uh, but so, like, the protagonist that it was saying was something like, someone where people come to with their problems, you're kind of, like, quite yeah, often yeah, yeah, the hub sure. of social activity. Yeah, yeah. Loads of friends, loads of birds, etc. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, just the yeah. man of the man. <laughs> Um, but so it was it was that but then a part of the problem was that you're thinking too much <laughs> you're thinking there's there's too much of a thing uh, you're thinking too much about how other people are affected and how you affect other people and that's also that isn't paralyzing yeah and it can be so that as in like although i think i've got a healthy amount of um i've often been just i'm on the i'm on the borderline between arrogant and self-assured sure you know that's a borderline yeah, yeah, thing. yeah for, sure, for sure for but, sure but but so that that's a fact i uh, accept yeah. by myself but with that then there's also sometimes i don't you uh, you can make decisions make a decision solely based on myself isn't actually that easy which is an interesting paradox sometimes that is interesting um so what you're saying is though you're like temperament wise it's yeah. normally one that would be um a, a, a mixed in with someone who's sort of fully narcissistic you struggle to make decisions because purely um, for myself yeah purely for yourself yeah yeah that's interesting um so is it so what are you saying that you kind of need a little sprinkle of autism Le yeah i do I, you've got, I, like, I want to be couple, more autistic you gotta need a couple more of those sort of yeah you want those kind of because you've seen you know we have friends who are on the spectrum you know yeah you me me you, you, you put the, they got the blinders yeah. on like those horses i'd love forward. to i'd love to buy them yeah like, purchase get, get, them for get, a minute get emotional those horse so but you know, I know what i think it does i'm not making much sense you know those things that horses have on the side of their yeah, the horse blinders when you the go horse, for a race yeah, so fine. they don't look yeah. done yeah so i because now i i think that's what weed does a bit sometimes because you said weed helps you. Yeah, because sometimes I like when I when I smoke, which is now very very sporadic. Yeah, is that which is more interesting? Because when you smoke it more sporadically, it's like when when you're smoking it a lot, it's like you kind of you lie down in bed and you have these deep, in inverted commas, thoughts that happen all the time. And then yeah. when you smoke it too much, you can become invested in those thoughts entirely, and it be kind of becomes your life in that way. But having it every now and again. Sometimes you could be going through this situation or these thoughts or whatever that's going on in your life. You have like a couple of you have a couple of joints one night, then you sit down and you really just kind of see this clarity in it. And I think for me that clarity is that kind of the the horse dividers, the oh, horse do you think, blinkers. But do you think that's almost taking a step back? Yeah. And I think it is I don't know, I think maybe in some of my decisions it isn't I don't think, and like, because I really don't want to sound like I'm sound. I really don't want to say that I'm sounding like I'm a fucking martyr because I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like sometimes I don't think enough about what do I want in this individual thing. I this wouldn't say that. I'd, I'd say that. I think I, I understand what you're getting. At. I wouldn't say that that's what the thing is. It's like it's not that you're like. It's not so much that you're constantly thinking. No, but it's not about other people. But yeah, it's more. But I think that leads to a confusion. Yeah, about it. Because you you're not like I mean? you're not one of those. Because there's people you meet um, with a personality who are 
overflow with empathy and that's not what, me that's not you and it's not also someone who's um overflow with this idea of like worrying what other people think that's not you to so no. much and also someone who but a bit a, a, li- a little bit no, but no, in no, a no, different way but that. i'm saying you're that people people is... who the people who i'd say would be someone who can't make decisions for themselves because they're too worried thinking about either what other people think or other yeah. people's feelings are very different temperamentally to you and i don't yeah, think yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. issue you're having it's no. more but so because I'm not saying it's about because that's the thing that's the interesting almost the thing I'm grappling with a bit now yeah is that it's not about what other people think it's not about my effect on other people it's more just like those kind of things those things that I have about how it affects my what do I want that's what I think is an interesting question at the moment in my life is what do I actually want and that is going into loads of different things that's so, you know yeah, that is very interesting and it's a t- and it's an, it's a it's a tough one because that's like maybe for a lot of people out there as well who are thinking about because yeah. it's when you're trying to work out what your because it goes beyond what your interests are what you enjoy and it goes beyond what you enjoy doing because i think my biggest motive has always been yeah. what you enjoy doing yeah, every single time because that's where you can feel but i enjoy so, the, so much shit yeah yeah yes but you because you, you, you it feels like almost like the way that you would lead um your decision making would be like okay well i'll send a probe down to my where I uh, what I feel and it'll be what do I enjoy and I'll follow that and then and then I end the up, issues is and then like, that's hard to feel long term drugs and yeah yeah and then you don't have a long term laid out yeah. thing I, my long term thinking is um terrible that's, that's it because you're yeah, yeah as you have as you Horatio has told me yeah it's the it's the hedonism it's the hedonism I'm a hedonist yeah yeah and that's the that's again, where it's coming from if we're talking about the differences between the two of us as yeah. well and us being a diverse podcast mm. uh, the difference between us as well is that you're not a hedonist in the fucking slightest no well you have, no you have head in the stick you have, pretty, you have a bit i'm pretty indulgent i like I'm, I, I i like i'm pretty um un i'm not like i'm pretty like i don't let things um tamper my enjoyment if i enjoy something i really don't exactly let. but that's not hedonistic thinking. yeah i guess so yeah. is that it's not of course you have the ability but i'm more to like i'm so. more like i get hard for like um a, a pleasure that's like less sort of like immediate that's yeah. what i'm like fucking whereas my mind goes for. well all we are is right now yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah How so i'm we... always been in the future because that's the interesting with that is like if you were to track the hedonistic mindset to yeah. its logical conclusion is if you're only ever going to focus on enjoying the moment right now how can you ever lead a bad life if every single moment you're focusing on enjoying is the moment that you're inhabiting and living right now? But there's the there's the Buddhist and the Eastern vague. When I say Buddhist, I mean vague. Exactly. Eastern. But they're the not idea. They're yeah, the, the, the idea of being in the present. That's yeah. a really important that's part. That's a of weird the, link but between hedonism and Buddhism. It's true. <laughs> Genuinely. Yeah, because it's like the monks in Tibet, their focus is being present. And the hedonists in the West, yeah. their focus is being present, yeah. but for very, very different, different reasons. reasons. Very different reasons. <laughs> it's true. Which is why, because Ollie, yeah. my stepbrother, is a big... He's, got, he's, he's big into Eastern... He's big into yeah. Eastern uh, tradition philosophy. Yeah. And he's kind of semi-Buddhist or whatever. He's a, he goes to these retreats where you can't speak for a week or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Pretty hardcore. But he, um, me and him have fantastic conversations. And a lot of it is him going, yeah, like we, we agree with each other over so much. But we both live such different <laughs> lives, <laughs> like, and they, exactly, it's that. Um, but then that's something I want to like, and I think maybe that's a youth thing in me a bit, as in like starting to kind of move, I uh, kind of develop the uh, you've because it's also being practical. Yeah. I've also got a heavy practical side in me, 
which is realizing that we live in this specific world and you've got to now, you've got to kind of work out where you want to go for. But yeah. it's something I have to actively try at to work, to do long-term thinking. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long-term thinking doesn't come naturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because what you were saying is like my main obsession on these sort of things is like this year has been like a sort of philosophical shift which is basically slowly realizing a lot of things that I thought were like accepted truths in my sort of slightly small. I've always had doubts about some of the things I've been told as like things you can't. Yeah. But now I've realized how um, just coming more into the other world, just how open truth and reality really is. Yeah. Um, but the main thing I've started to kind of be obsessed with is like the problem now is almost less about it used to always be about capitalism being this issue, but I really think that there's the problems that I'm starting to realize and the things that are bugging me is like narcissism seems to be a bigger issue almost than capitalism in some ways. It's like- Do you mean within yourself? Or within within, no, within general culture. Yeah. It, I do genuinely, I'm starting to see it more and more with the things that are constantly frustrating me. And I don't know why they make me so upset when I see things on social media and I see these people who- technically are in the same camp as me on many issues but it upsets me so much and mm. i feel and i can't even put into words why it's such a like yeah, yeah just hits me so hard and i realize it's like something that i'm trying to avoid for myself is like i i'm very egotistical and like self-centered because i'm like focused on my life and my happiness and taking responsibility for what i do and that in many ways can make me think about myself a lot but I'm, what i'm trying to avoid is like i don't want to be a narcissist yeah and it's this it's weird that, that like, fear that you it's, have it's a weird that like ego narcissism self-centeredness selfishness they're all slightly different and they're not all can't all be lumped up in the same thing yeah like i certainly I certainly find it grating when I start to realize that a lot of people who you're kind of taught to find as being kind of sympathetic characters because they're going through. But I realize a lot of, when I see people's problems come from genuinely narcissism, I realize yeah. the real issue. And I- So I, what I, do you I, mean problems? So like for ex for example, so thing. yeah, yeah. For example, it's like for, for a while, I thought a lot of the mental health crisis is come from uh, the culture of capitalism, which I definitely think partly it is but now i'm starting mm. to realize more it's more the culture of narcissism right and it's more the um culture of like focusing so much on your own life yeah and that's the big yeah. realization i came in something that when i had a big breakthrough with like my own mental health mm. was like when i see friends going through a, th a, a bad bit of mental health something that i've gone through i realized so much of it comes from um, focusing on yourself and it's like yeah. the narcissism that comes with it and I, I, I still haven't fully worked out my but then how do you this. not focus on yourself in a difficult time do you know what I mean so like if you're going through a tough time which I think both of us yeah, have yeah, in yeah, a way yeah. it's impossible not to and I feel like because your remedy as well is as much it's not it's not not focusing on yourself it's about th thinking about yourself in a different way yeah it's about it's like yeah it's like when I see some people with their issues and I'm like it, it's almost putting the blinders on and looking at yourself. It's like the, 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 how I feel better when I'm going through issues is I just take a step back. And what I've become really good at, I think, is like genuinely being grateful for things that are good and being able to like, when I'm feeling bad, like be able to put things in perspective yeah. immediately. Because and I, I feel the narcissism that comes from either depression or ego, um, severe egotism. Yeah, yeah 
is where you can't see past yourself. Yeah. And I just constantly okay. have ability um, to like when like this week I've been down, but I've it's like a chemical down. It's not mm. like a emotional like emotionally spiritually I've been fine. That's but good. I was gonna. We didn't mean to do the weekly spiritual. Emotionally thing. and spiritually, fucking not, fine. Absolutely no change. So but, we're a good relationship like, with God. You, you know, yeah. All me all and the good. big man yeah, are doing yeah. are, are, are vibing. Um, but it, it, uh, this week I've had like a chemical down, yeah. and I've been interested about how I've dealt with that chemical down. By that I mean just like a sluggishness and like a Which genuine. Which has been all of us. In yeah, the house well, all of us. Well. Yeah, it's yeah, just no, like no, a no, feeling, I'm not, I'm not and that it, you feel it, and it's a collective thing, and it's in the news, and it's January. Yeah, yeah. But the way I've managed to deal with it is completely detach myself from mm. it so that I feel that. It's fine I'm feeling that, but I don't indulge in it. Yeah. I, well, I do indulge in it in a set sense because I don't, I don't pretend it's not happening. Yeah. I take myself out of the scenario. I don't let it, I don't see it as more than the chemical thing. Yeah. Because I, it isn't. Like, I, I'm in a situation where it isn't. There yeah. are some situations where yeah. you can't just say, that's how I'm feeling because it's an yeah, actual yeah, situation. Yeah. And I l wait for it to pass, almost like bad weather. You just like, yeah, you, you, you take shelter, you let it pass and you move on. Yeah, so I mean, I, this it's is a really, no. It's a really, it's a really interesting point. Um, it's the narcissism thing that I'm trying to work out. Which exactly, hopefully because, because I think because we, I think we've spoken a bit about it. Yeah. Is that you have quite a more cutting uh, approach to anything that yeah. to people that are going through a difficult time. Is yeah. that you're you're big about responsibility? Sure, that yeah, kind yeah. Of thing, which I to be fair, I'd like which I like because as I say, it's like yeah. it's it's in kind of a contradiction to the discourse at the moment. Sure, yeah. Which is exactly I honestly believe that's what we need. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. completely agree with it. And I think I was I was kind of resistant to it at first. Yeah. Because I've you know I've gone through similar things and seen people go through similar things. Yeah. Where you but you but because you both need the compassionate side of it. But also, you do need the cutting side of it. It's true. And but so wait, what were you saying? What was it about? Uh, what did you? What was the narcissism? Point? Narcissism, because it's about wait. So like, because all when you're going through. So I think also there's a difference between someone like depression, anxiety, between the two in that. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you're feeling, because you're more as we as we know, you're more, yeah. you're more inclined to depressiveness, and I'm yeah. more inclined to anxiety. And I think it's easier in a depressive, not easy, but easier in a depressive state to kind of put it down to your chemicals kind of thing. Sure. Anxiety, I think it's something to do different. With, uh, There's a mindset that's going on because your anxiety mind goes, is ram, based ram, on ram, like ram. A, a reality. Yeah. It is. It's about a misfiring of the brain. Yeah. Of, of your thoughts that go over and over. But not and over always. And over. It's still a survival. It's a still a survival. Exactly. It's, anxiety is there. But so that you're worried about the threats. But then where does, is the depression a survival thing? I don't think it is. I guess that comes from just a weight of existence. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think but there's some but depression depression seems a lot more existential. Yeah, I guess. And so. anxiety a lot more survival. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, go on. But sorry, go but, on. But so like with because so I like because I know I, I kind of know your point. I think this is the question I was gonna ask. Yeah. But I kind of know your point of it. When we're talking about Eastern religion, Eastern philosophy, Buddhisms, and all the, these kind of things, is that yeah. so? I remember when one of my friends, uh, her brother, was going to become a monk. Yeah, and it's an interesting thing to talk about when so someone's so dedicated to their own spirituality. It's a hard thing to really argue against, you know. Mm -hmm. Often and particularly in our climate right now, there's so much. If someone was going to go become a monk and focus on that, etc., yeah. etc., et it's it's how it's kind of heralded as yeah. a really good thing. But 
that their decision so this guy was gonna this mm. my friend's brother was gonna go off become a monk and that meant that he didn't know when he was gonna next speak to his family and so what that is so that is like a, an aggressive focus on the inward self and then kind of at the same time you disavow everyone that's ex you kind of forget about the people around sure, you sure yeah so what would your opinion so it's on more that? like reaching that kind of like a glorified Nirvana. like enlightened state but at the cost of yeah you know and the cost of the reality you around you and that's like because i can really understand and it's uh because i, I don't know it's interesting because to talk about when you're thinking about someone that's going through a tough time yeah which we all have been and it is very easy to focus on your individuality within yeah. that and because i think part of the problem is because you become so consumed with your own individual situation that you don't see the outer situation yeah. so i think your mind has become trained in order to see the outer situation yeah which is a really good thing it's so, yeah it's trained, but it's have. also it, but it's also the way that i've always because you're stubborn yeah but i'm so but it's because i i look at i've always looked at things are like why but i've struggled when i'm looking at detail but i've always yeah i've always just viewed that that's how i organize my thoughts yeah which means i'm bad with certain organization but then i can see things in a big way which help helpful in other ways and help and not yeah helpful. yeah but on that specific thing i think well a, a lot of the reason i do i do think going off for like uh individual spiritual enlightenment you've all got to find your own path you know each to their own but i do think sometimes something i do believe is westerners looking for meaning in eastern religions it always can lack something to it because there's a book i've read called how the world thinks and they he's the the writer sums up really well which is basically we all come from these really complex philosophical traditions and yeah. if you simply cherry pick from other uh, um yeah, traditions you bait is like ripping a branch off a tree yeah and it dies immediately yeah and that's why you sort of it's kind of that's why sometimes when i see westerners you know my dad lives in bali for fuck's sake the bali I lama i see yeah he's called the bali lama which is the most sums it up perfectly and I, all yeah. the people i see out there it's this sort of half for in half for out western idea and like you know you gotta all find your own truth i'm not if you want to go explore that, there's a lot of wisdom to learn from Eastern techniques. But there's also something you should understand. That, like for Buddhists who've grown up there, it's within their whole cultural understanding. All yeah. the iconography works with, you know, their traditions and where yeah. they come from. And sometimes I feel if you're a Westerner just trying to implant some of those, there is a clash that leads to a certain level so do you of not inauthenticity. Think, so, so is is your point not about that everyone, regardless of where they're from? So let's say we're talking about someone who has been brought up within yeah. those Eastern, Eastern yeah, philosophical yeah, yeah. traditions. Yeah. Is the argument not that they should have a look around for everything else or the other ideas that they're in the planet, but yeah. almost you should stick to what you've been told? No, it's more, yeah, well, sort of. It's more that it's like understanding that um, you are part of a complex um, philosophy and it's like, it's not enough to say that you've got it your tradition's got it wrong and they've got it right or you've got it right and they've got it wrong you've got to yeah. understand that everyone's born out of a very complex Specific traditions concept. which is like that's why it's actually very hard to understand where people are coming from from mm. very abstract different cultures so yeah. it's about respecting that 
and also understanding yourself that I'm just I just think some people might not reach the levels authentically that they're looking for uh, it's more my fear is I do think that some westerners who go on this spiritual journey who go to the east and they think they're doing that I think that there's an element of fetishization I think there's an element of misunderstanding and I do think that they won't actually achieve what they think they will yeah. because sadly they uh, have grown up in a tradition that it's so much clash with it that's actually really hard to unpick. But I think there are lots of stuff. That, for example, I think, I think part of that fetishization comes from the fact it stands in such an opposite to what we're experiencing now at the moment. And it's a kind of a seeking some sort of the most radical difference to our society as possible. Yeah. And part of that is to kind of completely block off the external reality and focus on the inward self. But then that's what's interesting is the conversation we'd be having is that so much of our culture is born out of narcissism yeah. and f the focus on the self, but in a very reductive, superficial way. Yeah. So then it's like a focus on the self in an incredibly enriching, detailed and deep way. But then that then blocks off the importance of kind of looking at that. But then if you go too far into that, you kind of block off other it's things. It's true. But then in the East, for example, they have an incredibly collective mindset, which exactly. they don't have here. So yeah. like the way that Westerners... But I'm talking about extremes. No, but I'm saying well, like, like Westerners going off to view the um, Eastern traditions, for example, even then, leaving your family behind and doing this something that's a very western thing because you're an individual making your own way in the world yeah. if you go to the countries where buddhism india nepal monks china even in no because that's what i'm saying as well yeah. the extremes because monks do that if you go into any uh, any i don't know any any country that's kind of like big yeah. buddhism uh, the, a lot of the highest esteem of the buddhist religion is to be a buddhist monk i guess so and that is still i guess i don't, I don't know enough about that uh, specific issue I, I but on the responsibility thing yeah um I, I guess the, the I, I think I'm quite aggressive on it, but only because it's like not viewing, when someone's aggressive about something, it's easy to view them as like thinking they're right or that there's like a categorical truth. Mm. I'm only reacting to the times I grew up in. It's like the same yeah, way yeah. that like I find young, certain liberals really tedious as I talk about on the podcast. But then when I see like, you know, I watched the Fran Leibowitz thing on Netflix, the Martin Scorsese, Fran Leibowitz, who's this like yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, old Jewish lesbian writer from New York who's uh, like a wit and a humorist. And she's sort of a liberal in many ways. Um, but when I, I see someone like her, I'm like, you came to New York in like the 60s and the 70s uh, to escape from so much persecutions yeah. uh, for so many reasons. Like you were define yourself against um the current world and it's like you kind of all have to view someone in their time and like that's why i have a lot more respect for like people with certain liberal beliefs who are older but yeah. i think now it's like trying to work out what the issues are now and where we're going too far in other ways and it's like the reason why i'm so aggressive on responsibility and sort of like um not focusing so much on yourself is because yeah. i think we're going so far that other way exactly that it's important to a be an aggressive voice in that sense i'm and not it's saying also, it's an overall right yeah. thing that we should always be like that but being but aggressive is a tact. way to like it's an important concept yeah. and component of society that we're losing a bit yeah. because i've told you about that so i saw a story on instagram yeah and it was a it was a black woman talking about the our generational argument about um so she was kind of responding to people's arguments like uh, responding to the idea of when you have a conversation with your grandparents over yeah. christmas dinner and your grandparents says something racist yeah and she was and then you say well they're from a certain time yeah. so that's kind of talking about the responsibility with yeah. that and then her th her thing and it was well if your grandparents are talking around <laughs> yeah. if your grandparents are 
the thing is, she was saying, your grandparents, if, well, if they're talking about lynching black people, if they're saying that you can't be, se- <laughs> black, black people and white people should be segregated on the mm. bus and shouldn't drink from the same water fountain, then time doesn't matter. They should, shouldn't hold those views. No one holds those views. That's <laughs> just fucking ridiculous. If people are defending their grandparents, <laughs> that's who not says, what we're talking about. Who says black we're talking about grandparents who vote Brexit. Who vote Brexit. <laughs> not like... that they should. Be, not that black people should be fucking lynched. <laughs> it was like because I was ready it's to that hear it. It's like emotionality. Exactly. Because I was ready. I, re- I remember yeah. clicking on it, ready to hear it. Like I love to hear because yeah. you know, I have my grandparents aren't racist. My grandma maybe mm. slightly more Brexit voter. That kind of thing. Holding latent, the thing is latent views yeah. of the fear of the other. Sure, sure, sure. And that's mostly from immigration rather yeah, than yeah, racism. Yeah, yeah. But you're, I was kind of ready to like experience, like, okay, yeah, so what, what's that? What's the kind of, what's another opinion on that? But then they're not, it wasn't a discussion about the actual. Yeah, anything I, I haven't stuff. heard. I don't know that many. Yeah, obviously, if you, it's not like we're all sitting around at Christmas and it's like your grandparents are like, I think we should lynch black people. It's oh, like, granddad. Okay. <laughs> what are you what's like? He like? Uh, he's from a different time, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah, I, I would say, though I think we need to respect people uh, for the t- within the context, if someone's saying that, that's not within their time. Because there is a general social. If they, were, if they were from the 1700s, you could maybe conceptualize it slightly. Maybe. But if they were born. In the fifties, I'm sorry, or like the twenties, that doesn't. That's not the time. Period. Yeah, I think that will be one of the the very fair situations in which to cancel your grandma. No, that's really like no, you can't have those Actually, views. You and can't celebrate. come over again if you say <laughs> yeah. shit like that. No one's arguing that whatsoever. Yeah. What there is a fair argument is trying to like people take pe- taking responsibility for your own views is also. But what, take responsibility for, for your own views, but also allow people to take responsibility for their own views. And that can come from a place of understanding where they've come from. And yeah. I don't think there's enough of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, fully. Um, and yeah, it's about responding to where you see the problems in the world. Like it's all a shifting thing. And I think we've got a lot of issues where it's shifting another way, where it was one way, which was bad, and it shifted too far the other way in many ways. Yeah. And I think that's where as someone who has is as a comedian as anyone who's got a podcast or something it's like you should be trying to steer it back the other way so i'm not saying that i have like a long-term view it's just responding to it and it's just seeing people who are avoiding and it's like it's just almost it actually comes from it's like when i've been going through some bad stuff as soon as I, I just remember the liberation of taking full responsibility that I just, I see these miserable people on social media who say, do really annoying things and really victimful stuff that really pisses me off. But also I feel really sad for them, Mm. genuinely sad for them. And I just know that if you like stepped away and realized that you do have a good life, you're not, you actually, in the grand scheme of things, you're incredibly privileged and you shouldn't just focus on the small things which you are unprivileged. Yeah. You should really look at the whole picture. And if you stop caring about yourself so much yeah. and you took that step back, obviously those are different. But what's become of the argument is that, so that in itself, in our climate sounds like an aggressive thing to say. And a good, what, but exa- I, I like exactly, no, exactly. So, Ex- exactly, because yeah. that's what I like about what you say is that yeah. the, it's, it's about reintroducing that side of the argument because what at the end of the day, having only an outpouring of empathy isn't always a good thing. Sometimes you need an outpouring of pull up your socks and let's do this. It's true, but it's, it's also the mi- manipulation. I don't like the way that they, they've got... Uh, 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 that certain people who be- have this hyper emotional politics they 
um, control empathy. They control anti-racism. They control anti-sexism. They control equality. That's all theirs. And yeah. the more you disagree with them, the more you disagree with these things. For example, it's like Black Lives Matter is a really complex movement that, that is spread across many different things. But the way that it's framed, it's called Black Lives Matter. There's a lot of things I agree with it with, for sure. There's a lot of things I don't agree with it for the way the movements behaved in certain things. I'm not saying, you can't view uh, one Muslim for the act of ISIS. You can't view one person in Black Lives Matter for the act of the whole, you know, you yeah, can't, but point. the way that it's framed, Black Lives Matter, now to disagree with aspects of that movement. Mm, is to disagree with the premise. Is that they're like, oh, so you don't think Black Lives Matter? It's like, how fucking dare you yeah. uh, own that and like be, play dumb? Yeah. Uh, me it's too. one of the me most too. genius like, yeah, me too. names. Me too. Believe women. Yeah. That's the big thing. Yeah. So then when you see something where you're like, obviously we don't believe women because that's a ridiculous mm. thing just to say is like a blank thing. Oh, so you don't believe women? Well, that's, I don't believe some women. The part, part of the point of that is, because <laughs> yeah. well, that's kind of the, the genius and part of, I don't, well, genius sounds like it's a conspiracy, but part of the what we what we are kind of presented with now is yeah. that you can't, and it, it talks about the things we've spoken yeah. about for so many times in this podcast, is that pushing down and the disavowal of nuance. Yeah. Because when you have such a strong premise that's coming in, that yeah. is built off genuine, true concerns of our society, you then build that movement on it, but then as soon as then the movement morphs into different things as well, what if a good movement has to have the ability to be self-reflexive mm. and to respond to things that aren't exactly within its core? Yeah. And I find that, I, I, I think that's a problem, a big yeah. problem as well. But it's our ability the, yeah. to not com contemplate nuance anymore. And we don't have nuance. Yeah. And it yeah. terrifies me. It's terrifying. It's like the emotional manipulation. Because it's not, it's, it's not as if we just can't have a nuance in one argument. It's also that we, people can't have nuances within themselves mm -hmm. because of identity politics and everything we spoke about previously is that we ha uh, so there's so much pressure for our generation slash our society at the moment just to have these one you have to have if you're this kind of person you have these one set of beliefs mm -hmm. and often those one set of beliefs they go through a line of racial politics sexual politics mm -hmm. economic yeah. not enough economic politics but yeah. all these things it goes through this line of this is because yeah, yeah. i am this person this is exactly what i believe and then what that then conjoins with is the movements that they're in, then associated with like me too and black lives matter and if you don't believe that exact thing then you're breaking from that line of identity that you're creating and then the fact that we're all terrified about breaking that line of identity means that we're not actually people anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I all we're doing is avowing to this line, and yeah. that terrifies me. No, I, I, it scares me as well. Um, and I, it, there's a people, there's a couple of people who have commented on some of the other podcasts, and it's like it's been good to see like women comment on podcasts, being like interested in discussion and like being like interested in some of the things we're talking about because it's like I feel the most for a lot of women in uh, the mo modern women because I feel like. There's there's way more pressure on women uh, than men to um, fall into yeah, these certain things, absolutely. and I feel. And there's also like there's amount of talented women I see as well who have kind of been morphed into this sort of certain ideology that. When I was the wokest was just before uni and during the first couple of years of uni when I believed all of this stuff, and the the, the way I justified it was I looked at history and I was like. Um, history is a line of enlightenment. You know, there yeah. was like, but back in the 1600s, people thought that gay, being gay was a sin. Now we realize, because we're more enlightened, that, um, you know, gay rights, people deserve gay rights. Traditionalist history. And I was just like, okay, so what 
what in a hundred years are we going to look back at this time right now as being yeah. unenlightened? Yeah. Um, so I looked at all of the key issues, like the trans issue, everything like that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take the most extreme view on all of those things because yeah. that means that in a hundred years, that's where we're headed. Yeah. But recently I've realized it's not where we're headed and there's going to be um, a sort of swing back where people are going to look back at a lot of this hyper-emotional woke politics and they're going to look back at it as embarrassing as one, but also misguided and wrong. And it's like realizing that you're not, they don't have the ownership of what the, the yeah. enlightenment is. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's a really interesting point because I agree. So like a lot of, I remember talking to, and this is, has a good application in it. Yeah. I remember when I was younger, as in maybe 17, 18, or something, yeah. talking to my family about uh, things like racism. Or sure. And a lot of it is, so they were, they were talking to me and saying, I can't understand this point of view, or whatever. That doesn't make sense to me. And my response would be because they are, because we're talking about people who are in a marginalized community, their voices matter more and their arguments matter more, which is absolutely true. Okay, there is a there's they matter more because there's a kind of a lived experience of it. But what so that you can take that premise to be true. But then what is a kind of a, a result of that premise that can happen is that it, it, there's a kind of tacit implication that everyone else's opinion don't doesn't matter mm -hmm. in that thing. Now, so with history, because you're seeing that as as we did, as we've, if we're going to be looking tracking towards what's going to be on the right side of history or whatever which is absolutely true so when we get to the enlightenment all that stuff but everything in history is that process of conversation that process of conflict yeah. the process of conversation that then kind of generates where we are nothing is a we're not drawn in this straight line that is then from bad to good and slowly getting better everything is a conversation and everywhere that we're going to get to in the future is based on the actions that we as individuals and as a community and a collective society take now in this present and we will therefore have an, therefore that's what changed my mind a bit on it is I have a duty to be a one, not a good, a good citizen, maybe, but someone that's going to help to help to progress the conversation is to be honest in my opinions of it. Yeah, be authentic. And being authentic allows you both to say something that you feel like might be wrong. Yeah. But also to have your well, mind changed yeah, on yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. if we all just follow this path of where yeah. we think history's going and where we think it's going to end up, then there's, that's an inevitable path. And, and and what I'd say is like, back on the point about the enlightenment and this kind of linear thing is it's like how I used to view morality was it's like, um, there's just a truth that we're getting closer to yeah. and kind of remove it from the material conditions of the world. So you look at cavemen and then you say like, they're just unenlightened compared to us or like yeah. the earliest civilizations yeah. when you're first organizing. But then I realized, okay, so like we've all agreed that um, a, a, lot, a lot now in this country we've agreed that uh, certain levels of liberal feminism and equal rights between the genders yeah, is yeah. a good thing but if we went back to those first civilizations yeah. where every single organized civilization is in a fight for survival yeah. where you could easily be pillaged raped it, like destroyed you and you're, you're and like the only way that humans have survived is by trying to survive is, yeah, is yeah, the yeah. instinct yeah. for survival it, at that thing it makes sense that men would do certain things, women would do other things yeah. because it's just survival. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So you couldn't take the um, 
morals we have now and apply it there because it, course, it, it yeah. would be crazy. Yeah. But now, because we live in a society where we don't need Well, that. how would you try and enforce like uh, non-gendered toilets? In the yeah, it, but that's like, obviously it's crude, <laughs> but it's yeah. completely, yeah, it yeah. sums it up. It's like, but now we've, part of the reason why um, it, we can have certain uh, equalities is because we've reached a, a level yeah, yeah. where we don't need to do those things, which yeah. is great and which we should be. But viewing it as being tied to socioeconomic development. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we can, you know, uh, sadly, there's loads of things like the in invention of the pill, things like yeah. that. There's so many things that, um, it, that technology has moved that we've reached this stage. That It's yeah. not like this truth that was exactly. always there. It's yeah. fully linked to what we can... Yeah, well, we're in charge of what I, why I'm kind of obsessed with history and things that happen is I find it very comforting. Yeah, well, it, actually, this is what I was thinking about. It's but like, history is. Can I just quick? Because yeah. history is like, because it's not just a point about history. Isn't just about the societal where we've got. Because obviously, there's not enough realization of history is why why we are where we are now. The reason why we're doing this podcast at the moment. Is like the reason I'm sitting in this chair is because two, an hour and a half ago I came upstairs and sat in this chair. And then if you track back, track back, track back, you can track it was exactly gonna be in the to history the point. Books. It's going to be in history books. <laughs> no, exactly. But that's the point. Because yeah. there's a difference between history is a grandiose yeah. narrative and this is where we are as a society. But history is also personal. And it's every single individual is exactly at the point where we are right now because of all of our past experiences. Yeah. And that understanding of where we've come from and realizing that that is not some sort of grand meta idea of this is the destiny to be upon having an understanding that gives you kind of like a true agency in life yeah. and perspective yeah because uh, I, I was thinking about this last night actually um basically i realized kind of a key part of my personality is that I, why I've always liked history is because it's made me feel less anxious. And because, you're a nerd. Because I, well, partly because it's definitely because I'm a nerd. Every night, I just find it one joke <laughs> after. <laughs> but but um, part of the reason I like history is because it's the thing we're talking about with narcissism and taking a step back. I always find it incredibly relaxing finding, reading about the fact that people have been stupid forever. Like it, it really, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. reframes my life and it yeah. really like, it calms me so much um, looking at history and the way people are because it I'm like, it, it makes me seem so small and insignificant. And I really, I feel most happy and least anxious when I'm the most insignificant I can possibly. I like that as much. I, I even like I, the idea of being an accident for yeah. me would be the opposite of feeling the anxiety. It would just make me feel like this is- A the weight off your shoulders. A weight off my shoulders and like looking at history. I think and basically what I'd say is that the, how I'd sum up my view on time is, is that I find a history, I look at history with irony and comedy, but I look at the future with sincerity and fear. And, I and that's feel the thing. Every... It's like the past is funny, yeah. the future is terrifying. And that's how I view. The, the thing that I, I, I think I've realized is that the past is funny and the future is terrifying is what I've realized. Yeah. Is that if something happens in the past, immediately I find it funny. Yeah, I'll yeah. read about the most horrible things um, and I can't help but view them as the, seeing the funny side of them. And the, the, fur the further away in time that they happen, to me, the funnier they are. But then when I think about the future, I'm filled with terror because it, the future isn't funny. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there's nothing... For me, I'd re I find most things funny. I don't find the future funny and I find the, the past hilarious. Yeah. But that's what because you can't find comedy doesn't work in finding the future hilarious because it hasn't happened. Well, it hasn't happened, but you can assume it. But for me, I don't find it a funny 
because it, it's too serious and it's too yeah. in our control. Yeah. And it should be taken sincerely and seriously because the future really matters to us and it's sincere and we should deal with it sincerely. The past is funny though. Mm. But that goes into, I don't know, because then we're going to bring it back into my short-term thinking or things like yeah. that. Is, is a, the future maybe seems funny to me. Yeah, anyway, maybe. Wherever I end up, whatever. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I've always, yeah, I guess that maybe that does. Which is, I mean, the past inevitably, inevitably hilarious because I think that's also how comedy functions, which we've spoken about a bit yeah. before, but how it works of like a lot of la laughter is our ability to kind of process bad things that have happened and uh, our ability to almost soldier on in times of darkness, etc. And it's a, it's a human psychological faculty. Yeah to deal with things whereas yeah. so it's really hard to apply that to something that hasn't happened because all there is is terror and anxiety in the future it's true yeah i i do agree i think i'll leave it uh, i'll leave this episode on um i mean we we've it's been a bit of a dip this lockdown and i'm sure it's a lot of people listening are feeling it as well especially if you're in the uk um, and feeling it's never ended. I guess the, the the advice that I've learned from my personal experience, I'm not going to speak for anyone else, is it's basically, if I was going to invoke any cliche as being something that I'd stand by, it's sort of the glass half full, glass half empty cliche. Basically, is that there's kind of two ways you can look at life. And it's like, you can either look at life as being, it's unbelievable that there is like worms that are built so they can um, burrow through kids eyes and kill them there's you know ch children get cancer uh, there's war there's famine why the fuck does our existence fill with so much pain and horror like you can kind of look at it yeah. like that and that's where you can easily flit into or you can look at it as like we're a ball in the middle of the universe and it's an absolute miracle that we even exist randomness com the complete randomness of it that we're in a planet that, with the that randomness can only happen once you disavow good and evil and it's like yeah and it's like that we're in the the perfect scenario for life that we have yeah. this incredible the seas the atmosphere the diversity of life um that just even you can go to a supermarket and get like a milk chunk of dairy milk dairy milk dairy milk you put that in the fridge you eat it that's an incredible that tastes amazing and it's like viewing that is not Viewing that as how incredible it is that we live in a time, which in the whole of history, we live in one of the best times still. Even though the news is constantly saying that we live in a shit time. It's like, look at history. Like, I'd fucking, the shit that most people went through and like how easy our lives generally are. And like how, yeah, generally uh, is, the, is the key word. Generally, I mean, Because yeah. the problem is that there isn't a shared existence for everyone. It's not a shared existence for everyone in the world, but I'm so the people because who listen to this podcast. I agree. I, I think agree. It's like you, the fact that I can go down to. But the life world. is also comparative, and I don't want to egg this out because I know we're wrapping yeah. up. But yeah. part of it is that it's although we can look back in history and compare ourselves objectively to how it has been and the privileges and the luxuries that we do have of being able to buy a dairy milk or whatever, is that it's kind of impossible for us in our time. Although we can have a historical consciousness, we still, there should be a comparative reality consciousness of this person, us, live like this versus the other person that lives like that. Yeah, but I'm, I don't think that's at all um, chimes with what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there's like, I, I think it, you can split it down to as simply as there's two ways to per perceive the universe. 
it's either a nightmare or it's a dream. Yeah. And I no, do I genuinely agree. believe that. And it's like, that doesn't mean that you can't, there's just people who don't have hardships. There's, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't view to yeah. try and make the world better. It doesn't think that you, you, you view as like, why are you complaining? Everything's amazing. That's not what I'm saying. But I really think you can boil down the universe to two perspectives, which is you either view it as how the fuck is existence this painful? How the fuck mm. did, the only life that we have and it's still with this much horror, or you can say, how the fuck do we even exist in the first place? This is an absolute miracle, and that's sort of what I think is the key. And also, thing with that any kind of and with any kind of privileged existence comes pain. Yeah, that's the thing because even a life well, where you one can is get pain your is inevitable, milk. but it's just more conceptualizing existence as like it's either a dream or it's a nightmare. Mm. You can and I, and it's also realizing that you do have a it, there's more of a choice to be happy than people think. People really view happiness as being. You know, something that, you know, happens to them. But that you there's, there's choices. It's all about choice. And you can choose to a certain degree to be happier yeah. than you think. Which is a whole That's the hardest continuation thing. of the conversation that we could have for hours. For hours. But we, we've reached the end of the show. Um, I think we've probably done a closing statement just that. Yeah, we so, have. Yeah, um, we'll see you next week. Subscribe to the Patreon. Um, comment below questions. and Comment your I'd, saddest times. No. No, your happiest just don't comment. No comment. No comment. We need the engagement. Uh, see you.